Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you'll find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines. The Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Every Soldier Counts is in our name. I'm Captain DeBraj Mukherjee, otherwise known as Raj, and I'm really excited to speak with my guest today. In 1996, she joined the Army with one goal in mind, provide a stable home for her family. 26 years, three deployments, and a whole candy dish of awards later, she is our G3 Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major Aceves. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Awesome. So before, uh, so and you have quite a story to tell. Before we get into that, would you mind telling us a little bit about what a G3 does? And you can't say everything. Okay. No, fine. Um, the G3. I'm the G3 Operations Sergeant Major. Uh, we are the brains of the opera- uh, organization. So we. Uh, so last week we actually did our uh, podcast with Colonel Nieto, and at the end she's like, "You have to make sure that you talk with Sergeant Major Aceves. She's got a legit story to tell, and uh, she's like, she's like, she's the real deal." <laughs> so I'm, um, I'm excited to hear. It. So tell tell me a little bit about yourself and where you grew up. I grew up in um in between California and, and Mexico. Okay. In my childhood years, I did. Maybe five or six years of schooling altogether. Oh wow! But but I graduated high school. Okay? okay, so I always write down twelve years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, at the for for when I'm growing up. While so I was growing up. You were yeah. born born in Berkeley, right? Yes. Okay, and then it sounds like your family kind of moved around a lot. Yes, we did. We moved around a lot. Every time we um we couldn't afford to um live in the states, we would move back to Mexico. So when we were living in the states, it wasn't. Always a house or, or a, you know, or halfway home or, you know, like it was oh, wow. more of a, a, a garage where the garage door was our main entrance slash our window slash, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we had a bed in the middle of the garage and there was junk on the side. So it wasn't like a room that they, a garage that they turned into a room. It was a, an actual somebody's garage where they still had their junk in there on wow. the sides and, you know, we peed in a bucket, and if we wanted to go number two, my mom was like, you better save it for school, you know? So oh, that's wow. just how it went. So this was all in Berkeley, Berkeley, California, or? Different places. It okay. was just Berkeley, L.A., um, Oakland. Where did the, uh, Just different places of California. So what did your family do to make ends meet? Now, my dad was, he used to make um, small piece, um, pieces for, for um, airplanes. He used to build that. That's what he used to do. And my mom used to just stay home with us she used to um so when my dad would go to work mm-hmm. um my mom yeah my mom would just stay home with us or sometimes like like when we were living in the hotel it was a one-star hotel i could talk about it now because they tore it down right. one it was a one-star hotel you're not putting any in la away. right yeah. um but the deal was if we cleaned all the rooms in that hotel all the rooms yeah then we could stay okay. without without <laughs> having to pay. So I, w- I would just, um, so sometimes even when I was living in, in, in the States, in California, I wasn't in school because I was helping my mom cleaning uh, to clean these hotels, you know, make the beds and, 
you know, and that my mom knew knew the frequent frequent stairs and the and the passive stairs. You know, the frequent stairs. She would know the isms. She would be like, okay, this one wants ice on the sink. This one wants, you know. So wow. it was just yes. And then and they would leave change on the counter. That was just always so great to find. By the way, you know, like my mom, it would just make my mom's day. Be like the small things. That- change like all this pocket change and balloons because they knew that I was helping my mom. So she would be like, look what they left us. You know, like once they would yeah. check out. <laughs> wow. So. so so it, it sounds great. like it was you, your mom, your dad, and how many siblings? My sister okay. and my brother. My brother has autism. Wow. So really bad autism. Y- your brother is the youngest in your, yes. of your siblings? Yes. Okay. So you're, you're, it's you, your mom, your dad, your sister, and your brother with autism. Yes. You, uh, you guys started in Berkeley? Uh, we started, I don't know where they started. I just, it sounds like you did so much moving around. I can, I can imagine did, why it'd be yes. so hard to keep track of all Yes, that. like we lived in, I mean, I remember San Francisco. I remember, I mean, it's just okay. bits and pieces of, and the road. I remember the road a lot because when we were living in the car, I would just, at times I would just tell my family because we were just on the road for days taking yeah. bird baths and the, and the um, what gas What kind of car did you guys have out of curiosity? It was a, like a station wagon, like a Volkswagen, oh, wow. like with a large bed on the back, and we would just lay there. And my fa- my parents would tell us, "Hey, stay down, keep down," you know. So we would, that's what we would do, you know. And it, and uh, when we were talking before the interview, it sounded like when so your life in general sounds like it was incredibly difficult. But when things got so difficult, you couldn't you couldn't stay in the u.s your family will go to your yes we would just move we would just drive for days and i would i mean i didn't know that we were going to mexico they would they wouldn't communicate with us right. we would just know that we were on the road for days and i would be like are we going back to the hotel like <laughs> we're we're on the road for days we haven't yeah. stopped at a you know at a wow. local store to like sleep or anything you know and it's and then we were and then we were in Mexico. Next thing I knew, and I was like, "Oh, we're back here." You and know? so, where so. would your where would your family stay in Mexico? In uh, La Estancia Nayarit, you know, like the outskirts of Guadalajara, Mexico. Okay. So in Guadalajara, with my gram in my grandma's house, okay. uh, rest in peace. Or you know, in La Estancia, and we would go to La Estancia a lot, mm-hmm. and that's where that's the ranch. That's where you know your pee. So I went from peeing in buckets. In, in L.A., you know, to yeah. pee in, in a hole on the ground, you oh, know, wow. like with the flies and, you know. Oh, geez. So just... you were you were open, you were using uh, field sanitation in open trenches <laughs> before uh, you well, ever go yeah. in the army, right? Like field sanitation, what's that? I mean, I didn't know that <laughs> growing up. We were just like, okay, whatever. So the La Estancia, whose ranch was this? No, this was Our... just a, a lar- El Pueblo. Oh, okay, That's what gotcha. it was called, you know. And so whose ranch did you guys stay on? It was just... It was a pueblo, and my aunt and uncle. Oh, you know, okay, gotcha. Just, oh, so my it, grandma had another house there, you know. Gotcha. And, and then in el pueblo, you know, not not everybody has. Um, it's not like everybody has cows and hens or whatever. Like my grandma in my grandma's house, she had all the trees with the with the mangos, tamarindos. You know, she oh, had wow. the trees to where you know you, other people had cows. Other people have you know. So that's that's just how they make the living. You know, like mm-hmm. not everybody has hens and roosters. You know, other people have that. So for us, like if we wanted milk, we would have to go get. I would have to get up at five in the morning, and my mom would send me to. Three, it was three different locations that actually had cows, you know, and that's how we would get our milk for the morning. You would literally at five in the morning take a bucket yes. and, and milk the cow? Yes. Have you had milk from the cow before? I have not. It, is it? it is not like in the store. In the store, I don't know what they do with it, but yeah. it's absolutely delicious. Not from the cow. 
Wow. So not from the cow. So raw milk from the cow. Not, not even, a... and you have to boil it. It's not mm-hmm. like you could just drink it like that. Yeah. I don't know why they they show it like that in the movies because that's not true. You don't just drink it like that. Yeah. You have I, to boil it to kill the bacteria because it was sitting in the cow's stomach, right? Yeah. And yeah, I remember <laughs> carrying the bucket, and I already know I don't like it, so I'm yeah. carrying it and I'm holding it. And and I feel the warm bucket, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to drink this. <laughs> oh, like wow. the Nestle Quick, nothing Pancho Pantera. That's our Nestle Quick, right? Yeah. We nothing can disguise the taste, the of, taste of the milk. Mm-hmm. But my mom was like, but you need it. You're growing up. Oh wow! So that's how that's how you guys got your nutrition was. Yes. You went and got it straight from the cow, and my, that's a that's a great tip. I, I if I ever see a cow, I'll never just milk it and drink. You know, drink right you from have to the kill other. the bacteria. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, thank God for homogenation. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> so it. So I mean, that's that's intense. So you and your family are moving between the U.S. and then when things got too hard in the U.S., you're going to, to uh, your aunt and uncle's ranch in Mexico, uh, and it sounds like this went on till high school. But so when did you have the idea? When did you have it in mind that you wanted to join the army, or what what inspired you to join the army? I remember this. This was like. In the middle of fifth grade, right? Mm-hmm. In the middle of fifth grade, we had they had like a, a career day, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, and they had all these different stations in the gym, and everybody had their swag. You know, it was just it was open for everybody to just check it out. And and I remember the poster, the "Be All You Can Be" poster. It right. just drew me in because I was like, "Be all can all I can be." Like me? Like are they talking to me? <laughs> this is for me too. Wow. Like I the felt like resonated. they were also reaching out to me. Like yeah. even somebody like me can be be all that I could be, right? Absolutely. So that's what drew me to that station. And they had all these different stuff, you know, pens and whatever. And I asked them, I was like, "So what?" So what is it that I can, and they were like, anything. You can join and enlist and, and do whatever you want. And I was like, really? And I can make a lot of money? And they just kind of chuckled to each other. And they were like, yes, absolutely. You can make a lot of money. And I was like, so this means that I can buy a house for my family and we don't have to move back to Mexico ever again. And they chuckled to each other again, you know, and they were like, sure. But that they didn't, made they my didn't day. realize how They didn't realize how intense and serious you were probably being. They're, they're seeing a fifth grader. They don't know like where you're coming from or what you've been doing just to make ends meet or that you know what raw milk out of a cow's udder tastes like. They and had no idea. Yeah. I'm living in the garage yeah. and I'm living in my dad's car. I was like, wow. I was like, I walked out of there with 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 hope. It was like they planted a seed in me. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is great. So because we moved not even a month later, like mm-hmm. we moved back to Mexico from that. Wow. So I didn't finish fifth grade, you know, but I from there, I was like, it just didn't matter. I felt I felt so alive because I was like. I can get us out of this one day. One day we won't ever have to move back to Mexico. We don't have to pee in buckets. We don't have to yeah. hold the number two until we go to school. <laughs> we don't have to do any of that. I was things, like, we'll have our own home. Normal, yeah, things a normal grade schooler probably would never even could even imagine worrying about your your you know instead of worrying about math and English homework, you're worrying about like where you're going to shower. Uh, so and it sounds like so in the fifth grade the seed is planted, and it. Uh, kind of like we were discussing it it changed the context of what you were doing so when you were uh, prior to this uh, seeing the stand and meeting these people when you're moving and you're living in the garage and you're on the road for a long time was it was it like did it feel hopeless or no i mean that was just a way of life i didn't okay. sit there and feel the the thing is that i didn't want is like like when people would notice us and in, in the in the gas stations for instance mm-hmm. when we're doing the birth baths and i they seen people noticing right. what we were doing 
I just didn't want them to feel sorry for us. That's right. all. I was like, we're just passing. We're just trying to clean, you know? Yeah. And But I can see it, the look in their face. Like, some of them were like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is this is their bath, you know? But they, they had that look in their face. But yeah. now I didn't want them to feel bad for us, you know? I was just like, just look away, yeah, you know? Well, like, leave us alone. Leave yeah, us to our business. Like, <laughs> but then, so after the fifth grade, after you had this meeting, you know, this meeting at the Army uh, you know, at this army recruitment stand, you saw that you could be all you could be. How were you, how did you feel about uh, you know? And then you said two like literally two weeks after you're you're moving back to Mexico, and so it sounded like you had you saw light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, because I was like I can make money because I was so worried about uh, growing up and not being able to. I did worry about not being able to finish an education. Mm -hmm. I was really worried about like people finding out that I was skipping a lot of school, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you're in eleventh grade, but you skipped." You skipped first, second, and part of fifth. And, you know, I was worried that they were going to be like, yeah, you're in 11th grade, but you have to finish second grade and third grade. <laughs> I was so worried. Yes, those were my of... worries when I was young. I yeah. was like, they're going to make me That's sit through this yeah. class, you know, yeah. all these classes, right? And, that, and so back then I was worried that, like, if I don't get an education, I don't finish school, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to get a, a um, go to college and get a good job and, and be able to make money and be I wasn't I was worried about that. But when the recruiters were like, yeah, or whoever that was running mm -hmm. the be all you can be, you know, the army. Finally, right? yeah. Whenever they said, yeah, that this could be you, too. You can make money. You can join and uh, join and do all of this. That uh, that was like that made my day. That made my I was like, I can do this uh, yeah. education or no education. I could do this. Yeah. Excellent. You, you saw that, you know, despite everything you were coming from, you could be all you could be in whatever, you know, whatever your background was, your, your life had near limitless potential. So how long after high school did you end up joining the Army? No, just right out of high school. Oh, wow. Yes, my mom wouldn't let me. I wanted to join at 17 because with your parents' permission, you can join at yeah, 17. Yeah, yeah. But my mom was like, absolutely not. What are you doing, right? <laughs> you know, so were you, so were you, sounds like your parents weren't super stoked about you joining the Army initially. No, my dad was, back then he was working in Alaska. Like mm -hmm. he was working on the boats. Oh, wow. So he wasn't there. And my mom was the one that was, you know, she was home and we were. And was he crab? He was a crab fisherman? He was doing crab fishing up in yes, Alaska. Oh yes. wow! He worked in a north and jagger. He worked yeah. in a, He did a lot of yes. He was part of that that Exxon spill. You know that affected us right. also. Yeah. We were living in Mexico. That was such bad times too. You know, <laughs> like it, I mean, we're in Mexico trying to get out of Mexico and get into the states, and then the Exxon spills happen. You know, and then we're like, oh no, just like, like that's not making money. Just when just when you think, well, at least it can't get worse. Then then <laughs> yeah, it was like so. What does that mean for us? You know, like we so we can't get out of mexico now like we have to wait like it, that's what that meant for us right back then but um but yeah it was uh so i had to wait until i was 18 to sign the paperwork and as soon as i graduated i was you were gone. out I you're was ready gone. i was like i'm ready of course i couldn't buy a house right away like yeah. i wanted to of course but i had i always had that in it mind. Was, I was a like, i'm gonna get this you had done. to go yeah you had to go you had the goal and it was set uh so what uh, mos did you enlist as I'm a generator mechanic. Oh wow! Okay. And yes, and it was just what that was what was available. I was uh, yeah. anything else in the medical field or whatever. Yeah. They were like, well, yeah, you can you can wait until like November or whenever these other. And I was like, no. Um, what's available now? And they were <laughs> like, well, you could be a 
uh, a power generation equipment repair, and I was like, "What's that?" And they were like, "It's a technical job. You're, you're red." Yeah, you, they were like, you, you, "You can get it. It's fine. You can." And I was like, yeah. "All right." Send me, send, send me. it. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So, how long? How long after you joined? How how long after you joined were you able to buy buy that house for your family? No, oh, it wasn't until I was a staff sergeant. Okay. So it was still a few years until okay. I was able to to get there, right? Um, but I got there. Yeah, and so it sounds like as somebody who's, I mean, I can't. Even, I can think of a very few, a very small number of people who probably dealt with. Uh, things like you've dealt with as a child. So as somebody who's dealt with a lot of hardships and hasn't had that uh, structure or support system when you're a kid and had to literally worry about, you know, like, where am I, like, where am I going to go to the bathroom today? And uh, are they going to let me graduate because I've missed the entire years of school? How do you think that translated to your um, ability to be an NCO or your, um, as a, once you became an uh, E5 and an NCO, like all those experiences, how do you think that contributed to your style of leadership? It was it was just being able to help others overcome their challenges and being able to groom them to aspire for more. I didn't want them to just settle for what they had. I wanted them to always strive to to make their dreams come true, right? To yeah. strive for for more. Do you ever do you ever get a soldier or a junior leader who's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't get the I didn't get this or I get that, and then you just drop the whole like, well, I used to live in a car. <laughs> you no, know I mean? no. No, this is this is something that I always shared with everybody. You mm. know, it was just I've I've kept that to myself for like you know for a very long time. You yeah. know, I just didn't really want to use my example for. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that before I sh I've shared my experience. Like I can I can count in one hand how many times I've shared this particular experience really? you know and i've been in, in the army for 26 years yeah. so it's not like any time somebody's having a struggle i'm like well i used to live in a car <laughs> that's i used of, to have to wait yeah. to go number two to go to the you know to yeah. school and i used to it's not it wasn't even about that right. i didn't even it, my my focus was what they were going through and yeah. making sure that they understood that i cared for what they were going through and i yeah. wanted to help them overcome it that was my focus, not yeah, so much in like trying to match them. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, I think uh, I think this. that does no, and I I uh, I I love that because I think you know nowadays we get so um, caught up in uh, comparing struggles, comparing hardships, that uh, I think when you know when it when you're a leader and you, even if some something that your subordinate or your subordinate leader is going through is may sound trivial to you, it's not to them. Uh, you know, they, they didn't they didn't have the hardships. And I think the fact that you were able to, you know, separate those things and uh, have empathy for your subordinates, I think that that shows like, you know, how much empathy you've developed, like through your experiences. Yes. And it's not because I was and again, you know, it's not because I was ashamed of how I grew up mm -hmm. or anything like that. It was just really not the right times, you know, like yeah. it's not until somebody asked me about me, you know, share about yeah, me yeah. is when I'm like, sure. And then I just let them know, you know, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, like, really? Like, you? <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> you I used think, to dumpster dive? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. how we used to get our stuff. Yeah, you know, we what do were, you mean? Yeah, when we were uh, when we were talking prior to, you know, prior to the podcast, I like I was trying to keep my job from just dropping to the table where you're talking about, yeah, dumpster diving. And then, you know, I love it when, you know, people leave the leave the clothes outside it's of the dumpster. It's very much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. It's very I, much, yeah. you know, if you don't want something. And, and it's still good or good enough for something, you know, just leave it on. I'm, I'm just giving advice to everybody, right? <laughs> In case but they need to go just, dumpster diving. You don't know yeah. how much I appreciated that yeah. to where I didn't have to get into the 
and my mom didn't have to like yeah. give me a boost inside the tra- the big old dumpster at times because yeah. the stuff was like on the side, you know, of the trash can. <laughs> and we were like, oh, yeah. this is good enough. And then we were leave and I would be like, oh, this is cool. Now I'm like grossed every time I think of it. I'm like, I'm so grossed out. I'm like, how was I in there just digging? My mom would be like, what else do you see? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Let me move. Oh, my gosh, my hands were all Let in there. Out. You're just I don't know like, how my hands me. didn't fall out. <laughs> You've had a lot of like exceptional experiences, I think, for uh any child growing up but I, i'd say probably you know having to dive in a dumpster and you know dig in there that's a uh, that's horrifying that's especially yes. horrifying and so it you know you you in the fifth grade you saw the stand you saw a chance to provide for your family and you, and you had a goal and when you were a staff sergeant you were, you were able to achieve this goal you were able to provide this home for your family what what drove you to stay so once you provided this house for your family once you know you knew that they were taken care of what what drove you to stay in the army and continue to be an nco because the army took care of me like in my mind i was like i was able to provide because mind you i didn't buy the house right away for mm-hmm. my family i wasn't able to but it was enough for me to keep them from moving back to mexico okay it was enough for me to keep them and then later on i was able to buy the house for them right wow so it was uh it so the army took care of me so i was like i want to take care of the army and everybody that's in the army i've been to duty stations where and i don't want to say anything in particular to where it was just the opportunity was right there to become an officer mm-hmm. right there to become a warrant they were like look yeah. you know i've got a letter or recommendation for you do you know who I am? You 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 clearly don't know who I am. And I'm like, what? You know, like, so you, yes, you're so-and-so. And they were like, yeah, but this letter right here is all you need. You can be, and I was like, and I would look at it, and they were like, don't you want to make more money? Don't you, aren't you tired of grinding and just. like Darth Vader looking at Luke. Why Luke Skywalker? I'm like, join me, Luke. You know, they say going to the dark side. And so, yeah, you've been offered uh, opportunities to become a warrant officer and to be an officer, and you just. Straight said no. You said no. I just didn't. Because you want to be declined. Because I wanted to continue to help soldiers. I wanted to continue to um, to lead. I wanted to stay in the NCO ranks. And in my in my mind, I was like, well, you know, they see me as a a great NCO, and they want me to cross over. Just like I've seen a lot of great NCOs cross over. They they were there. I was like, wow, what a great battle buddy, you know. And then they walk out of there as an officer <laughs> and then i was like the the army just lost another great officer you know to the you know and to i guess do bigger better things right certainly yeah we not all better yeah. necessarily we yeah Let we me scratch all, yeah. that but well, i'm just saying that the, yeah. the army just and i was like so who is going to you know who's going to be left you know like yeah to be able to continue to groom um our future you know uh, so i had to i wanted to make sure that i was part of that yeah, and so I stayed as an NCO. Then that 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 uh, you know when we talk about the army as a people driven organization, uh, you know who mentors and develops and molds those people more than an NCO. You know it, it's in the creed, it's in you know in the way that we do everything that really NCOs leading soldiers and really developing. You know we talk about NCOs developing soldiers, but uh, you know NCOs develop officers too. Uh, you know you get these these bright eyed young lieutenants who have all sorts of awesome ideas and zero experience and they want to do this. I know when I was a, a platoon leader, uh, my platoon sergeant <laughs> kept me, you know, he, uh, any, any time I had like this great idea that I wanted to do rather than be like, no, sir, that's dumb. He would kind of help me walk the dog a little bit. And I'd be like, yep, yeah, you know what? That might be dumb. And, uh, so I, I think when we, you know, the role of the NCO, uh, you know, developing subordinates, but also developing, you know, uh, senior leaders too. And I think 
certainly, you know, at uh, junior officers, uh, field grade officers, and you know, general, we all we all we all contribute and do our part. But I think really not enough can be said about the importance of the you know when they call it the backbone of the army, you know, and uh, so you're dedicated to being the backbone. Yes. So when and so when you look at your career, have you, was there any one single mentor that kind of helped you uh, stay on this path or? This I've had many NCOs that I looked up to, like many NCOs. I can't just single out one one mentor. I've I've learned so much from so many individuals, and because of that, because we all at the end of the day we we develop our own leadership styles. Yeah. So because of that, I welcome that. You know, like whoever you know, because don't get me wrong, I do have mentees like in my ACT, right? Red. But I also encourage them to to um look outside of that scope and learn from the great NCOs from those the, there's a lot of great leaders out there that have that pass on so much great information you know and I want them to learn from them I don't just say okay you're my protege don't look to the left <laughs> or to the right you're <laughs> gonna be what I what yeah. I am and so on I mean I want that I welcome them to uh, to just look outside of that and and um and then in return do that and that way they're not that way they know that as NCOs, we're, we're leaders of soldiers, you know. And I'm saying soldiers. I'm talking about um, enlisted and, and officers alike, you know. So I just want them to understand that it doesn't matter if it's somebody that we know. It's, it could be somebody that we don't know that we're, we're um, grooming or giving advice to because that's just what we're here for. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, I think that's fantastic too because, you know, you don't want to – we don't want uh, our subordinates or peer leaders to become cookie cutter versions of us. Right. Uh, getting that variety helps you develop your own style. And I think you were talking about before uh, where like you have to look at the good and you have to look at the bad because there's there's things to be learned from both sides of that uh, both sides of that as far as like developing your style and figuring out what works for you. So what so what do you feel like is in the future? The uh, command uh, so sergeant major of the army or <laughs> been in for twenty six years. So. Um... I, wherever the army, um, has for me, I'm mm -hmm. just, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm not tired of that, you know, every time. And I mean, yes, I'm, I'm old, right? I'm <laughs> over 40, right? Getting out yeah. of bed becomes a little more no, difficult. Nothing but a number. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the aches and yeah. pains from, you know, from what we put our bodies through. Right? Yeah. And we all know we all go through that. Yeah, I think I think the Army, too, has a, you know, uh, with, you know, PT and the the, yeah. the load we put on our bodies, uh, it has a bit of, has a way of sometimes, like, uh, you feel like you're being prematurely aged a little bit. <laughs> yes, but it's just, I'm always, I think the key thing is just, if you're still having fun, mm -hmm. if you're still having a good time, as in like you're still enjoying what you're doing, then stick with it. And I, I still enjoy what I'm doing. As busy as I am, right? As busy, I enjoy what I'm doing. If you're not enjoying what you're doing, then it's time to look elsewhere. It's not that you're a bad soldier or a bad leader, or what. It's just time to look elsewhere because if you're not in, if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, then I'm just spreading that kind of vibe to everybody else, and that's not yeah, good because the army needs motivation, you know, mm -hmm. especially right now that that there's not, we don't have that many as much um, personnel joining us as it used to be. Definitely, we're we're definitely or staying in. Yeah, we're we're definitely focused on um, uh, quality over quantity. And I agree. I think when you, when you talk about uh, motivating, inspiring, 
uh, developing, having that passion. I, I think when you the fire burns brightly inside of you, everyone can kind of see it. Everyone around you feels it. And uh, I, I, it, so this is my fourth time doing the podcast now, and I think that that ends up being a, a common theme where they're like, I will stop doing this when I stop having fun. Like when this stops being enjoyable to me, when I stop getting up in the morning and feeling motivated to do this, that's when I'll stop uh, being in the army. I think those are the kind of leaders that help, you know, drive this organization into the future as we, you know, look at what we're supposed to look like in future, uh, future peacetime, future conflicts. And uh, I think it takes that passionate, inspired leader to, especially passionate, inspired NCOs to mold and develop those soldiers for the future army. As we're uh, concluding our conversation here, is there anything, what is the... What is the one point that you'd want our listeners to take away from this conversation? So, I mean, there, there's a lot. Uh, you know, you came from, I mean, I want to say nothing, but it, it sounds like uh, you know, to barely having anything to, you know, you're going back and forth between the U.S.-Mexico border just to make ends meet. In the fifth grade, you were inspired. You saw that you could be all you could be. Uh, you met your personal goal, uh, and then you stayed on to um develop and mentor soldiers for the future. And so when you when uh, you think about what is the one thing that anyone listening to this conversation you want them to take away? Uh, well, this is first time um, I appreciate you um, doing this podcast. Thank here, you for being on. Time, no, thank right? you for being um, on, yeah. And for whoever's listening, right? I, uh, whoever actually stayed in and the whole time <laughs> to listen and not change the channel, no? <laughs> yeah. but um, Good plug, good plug. But really, like, this is just my story i'm just one person out of like all the individuals in the in the service and the army out in this world you know we all have a, a unique story and uh, so it's i'm not i don't feel like my story is just so so special and it's so you know everybody has their a special story everybody has a unique story and and made them who they are and, you know, so uh, for for everybody that I meet out there, you know, it's just I always look at them and I'm like, I wonder what their story is. Yeah, right? that, that is. I think and I always want to see where they're going next because you know, they have everybody's got potential to do more. Yeah, I, I agree that it's the I think the people in this organization keep coming back because we do. We all have our own stories. And I, I think sharing them and listening to them is one of the best things about being uh, being in the army. Well, Sergeant Major Seves, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show. Thank you for sharing your story. I know uh, you said it was a, one of the few times that you shared it, but thank you because it is just absolutely jaw-dropping, heart-wrenching, and inspiring to you know uh, to hear where you came from. Like you set a goal, and uh, you know now you're out there inspiring and developing other leaders. This is Captain DeBraj Mukherjee for the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. You can listen to us wherever you uh, get your podcasts. Or if you want to see my beautiful mug, you can see us on the 19th ESC YouTube page. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.